Don't talk about buying $100,000 Teslas in Bitcoin. Be relatable. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So... Hello, and welcome back to Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elcherson. With me, as always, is my co-host, Adam Simon. Adam, how are you doing? Doing great. Glad to hear it. Um, A quick update, Adam. I know summer is coming, and you're getting prepped in your car to go travel places, so I did a little research, and I want to make sure you're hitting the road safely. And so I want to pitch you the Judy Emergency Supply Kit. Right, it is a waterproof backpack that is filled with all your first aid emergency needs when you're on the road. You know, masks, band aids, uh, radio charged lights, um, like nutrition packs. It has everything you need, so that way, just in case you get a flat on the road or you're lost in the wilderness, you have a uh, emergency survival kit. So, safety first, Adam. Then, then teamwork. You definitely got to check it out. It's right up your alley. Plus, there's a connected app and 24-hour text message support. All comes with the Judy emergency backpack. Why kit. do I need an app for my first aid kit? I have no idea. <laughs> In case and you don't what know how to commission are you getting off of uh, off of this first aid kit? <laughs> Zero. It was. It literally. It, I think it popped up in like my Instagram feed, and I was like, "Adam needs this." <laughs> I, I actually did make a car related discovery of a product that I had not occurred to me, and I hadn't thought about, but it uh, it showed up in my feed this morning, which is a car camping air mattress. It's an air mattress specifically Ooh, designed. Cool. For I have a I have a like a, a small SUV and you you fold the seats down it you know goes down over your back seats and into the trunk so that you can sleep in the car you can camp in the car which is like oh I hadn't that hadn't occurred to me and I was like that that might be maybe is that something I need for the summer maybe I don't know thinking about it yeah um, you get an air mattress and your emergency kit and you'll be ready to hit the road <laughs> it'll be it'll be, it'll be good but like that's cool I had a friend that um, just traveled across country for like eight months during the pandemic and like the ability to like just like lay down in the back of your car and sleep is pretty nice oh though you do need blankets because it gets super cold sometimes yes your car will not keep you insulated (laughs) it will not uh this site actually has i just scrolled down on the page they have judy uh uh first aid kits uh, I've, rem- I've seen that company before, actually. Uh, yeah. I remember when they launched. Interesting. Yeah. It's well-designed. It's interesting. Uh, I'll be honest. That was all triggered because my dad just bought a defibrillator. He's like, you just never know when you need one. And I was like, Adam needs a first aid kit. You know, start low and then work your way These up to the... These uh, expensive, though. <laughs> 200 bucks. 200 bucks is a lot. Adam, your life is worth more than $200. That's all I'm, I'm saying. Is this going to save my life? I don't know. It's like... <laughs> it could if you get a mosquito bite. Mm. <laughs> Do I need four ponchos? I don't think so. Come on. <laughs> well, what if you're with friends? You know, as then they we, say, we you know, fight for the, the one poncho. It's you know, yeah. survival of the survival fittest. Of fittest. Yeah. It, it's going to go Lord of the Flies really fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, uh, don't be traveling with Adam this summer <laughs> unless you're willing to fight for your life if there is a uh, if there is an emergency. Well, first up, just want a, a quick note that next week on the podcast, we are talking with Katie Tedman, the head of partnerships at Dapper Labs about NFTs and the new NBA Top Shot product that has just been announced. Uh, we 
are super excited to be talking to her, uh, learning more about the product, Dapper Labs, NFTs. Uh, so this is definitely an episode you're all going to want to be checking out and listening to. I mean, Adam, how pumped are you to be talking to Katie? I'm stoked. Super excited. Yeah, it'll be super fun. Stay tuned for that next week. And as a reminder to all of our listeners, the Floor 9 Referral Program is now live. Uh, you can sign up for a custom referral link at refer.fm forward slash floor 9. Uh, three referrals get you a custom floor nine t-shirt that was designed by myself and richard uh it looks excellent so so please sign up and help us grow the show we uh, greatly appreciate it well with all that out of the way adam let's dive into this week's news first up we have some announcements from warner bros uh in a surprising 180 in 2022 they will return to theatrical releases ending its experiment with hbo max and it seems like on the other hand disney was going to continue to do the simultaneous disney plus and theatrical releases going forward so we really really have two companies going on two different paths as we head into 2022 here. So what are your, what are your thoughts, my my guru, when it comes to OTT and streaming? Yeah, well, I, okay, so Warner Brothers is talking about next year. Disney is still talking about this year. They basically uh, didn't commit to a strategy going into 2022. And if you look at what they're doing, um, it basically was an, was an announcement that uh, a lot of high-profile titles like Black Widow and Cruella um, that were coming soon are going to be released on Disney Plus in the premiere access window, which is the uh, additional $30 charge on top of your Disney Plus uh, subscription. A couple of things. One, the fact that they just announced, I think there were something like five or six total movies that were announced for premiere access, where you know previously they there had really only been a couple so far. I think that they just announced a bunch more, but I think that the fact that they are all still one-off purchases and that there's not a new premiere access tier of Disney Plus, where you're paying them $30 a month, hopefully it would be a little cheaper, but you know, whatever, uh, a much higher fee to get these day and date movies that are released on Disney Plus at the same time they're in theaters. The fact that there's not that new premiere access monthly tier for Disney Plus tells me that they're still figuring it out. They're not committing to this strategy into next year or actually even much past the summer at this point. I think I think the the latest films that are they've announced are, are into the summer. You know, Bob Chapek said uh, last week that uh, about when asked about Black Widow that they would they would decide at the last minute. So they basically are are I think willing to make make changes and, and decide these things uh, much closer to release than normal or than we would right. expect from a studio. Right. To me it seems like they're just like lacking a content base to do it. Right? Like it cuz if if they were to make a, a premiere a premier access subscription, monthly subscription, I would have to say that you you would need at least one movie a month, maybe two, that to make to make it worth it. And right now we've seen two movies out so far, which has been Raya and Mulan to charge people for it. So it seems like if they wanted to have that subscription f- tier, they would need more content to to actually fuel that. Yeah. Uh, so I could see why they're kind of like, yeah, we're just figuring out as we go. But <laughs> I mean, this is where, where it tells you, I think if, if they wanted, they ha- they certainly have movies in the can that are ready to go. If they wanted that content, uh, they could have it. But I think that they won't do that until they're ready to commit to it long term. So we might see by the end of this year, an announcement of that going into 2022. If they do decide to commit to that strategy, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I think as of right now, I, my guess is what they want to see is how, how premiere access interacts with movie theaters being open. So that's what they're going to get some data on that this summer. And then they can, you know, make a more informed decision going into the fall and into next year. Um, and it seems like Disney's in a better position to experiment with that versus it seems like with Warner Bros returning to theatrical releases, they've realized 
just based off the few that have already come out that that's like they need the money of the theatrical window release is my read on that headline. Well, you have to keep in mind that Warner Brothers also is not making additional revenue on those films. They're just part of HBO Max. So, um, you know, they've had they've have have had a couple of months of data, a few months of data at this point to look at how that's affecting subscription revenue or subscription ads and, and new subscribers. Uh, you know, I think there there's still some other some big films from Warner Brothers coming later this year. You know, I think that the fact that they're announcing 2022 so far in advance tells me that that it's not as much of a home run as it might have been. Because uh, I think if it were, they, they they could afford to sit on their hands for uh, you know at least another three or four months before they had to to make that call. So they have less to gain from going uh, all streaming, um, and uh, and more to lose from from that theatrical revenue. True. The other true. thing, though, to keep in mind is that partially Disney is kind of forcing their own hand because of how tightly tied together the Marvel Cinematic Universe is between movies and TV shows. Um, and though Disney Plus really needs those Marvel TV shows. We, we know that, uh, you know, I, I think they just said Falcon and the Winter Soldier was their uh, biggest new you know premiere on Disney Plus so far um which is not a surprise but i th- you know they need those shows to keep coming but those shows were designed and programmed to interact with the movies in a certain order and yes WandaVision sort of was fine to premiere before Winter Soldier uh but at some point they need movies to keep coming out or they're going to run out of shows that they can logically sh- air on Disney Plus so true, i think that true. part of what's happening here is just that they, they could afford to delay things for a little while, but that backlog is really starting to catch up to them. And they need Black Widow to come out because uh, characters from Black Widow are going to be in the Hawkeye show that is coming out in the fall. So at some point, it was it started to be like, a, do we just delay everything? And I think Disney Plus has great momentum, but they cannot afford to lose that momentum by delaying you know the entire Marvel slate uh, another year while they figure this stuff out. So I think that's, right. that's sort of the reality of the situation is they might be looking at the spreadsheets and saying, okay, we're going to lose some money on Black Widow, and we would prefer not to do that but are we going to really blow up our entire, you know, cross-channel MCU strategy for for you know however it's it's a lot of money it's you know hundreds of millions of dollars but like it, the entire MCU is obviously worth much more than that so I think really interesting strategy that everybody was very bullish on and it's just you know the pandemic is the thing that that disrupted it and likes like so many other things so. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very interesting challenge and very unique to Disney uh, that I don't think anybody could have seen coming. Um, So we'll see how that all works out in the coming months. Next up, we have some news from my favorite donut shop, Krispy Kreme. They are offering free donuts to customers who have been vaccinated. Basically, uh, anyone that shows up with a valid vaccination card can receive a free donut at no extra cost throughout the remainder of 2021. And you can actually redeem this offer every day at a at a chain. Yeah, I love it. I think it's it's smart. It's easy. It's a great way to you know, Krispy Kreme donuts are uh, fantastic, are fantastic, but also inexpensive. <laughs> and you're probably also going to buy a coffee or something while you're in the store at least some of the time, right? right? It's a really easy uh, promotional item for them to give away one donut. Um, and yet it also feels super generous as a customer to be like a donut every single day. That's actually a <laughs> lot of donuts. So, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's sort of a win-win situation. There was a, some weird blowback on social media around it. And I guess my take on, on the blowback was just that 
it is proof that no matter what you as a brand do, you are going to get blowback from somebody. Um, I don't think there's a negative here for anybody. And I think, you know, some some corners of the internet tried to turn it into a negative. And it's just, uh, I think, indicative of some of the uh, of the environment that we see and sort of mainstream the larger social media channels at this point, uh, as opposed to the more niche communities that we've been talking about lately. Um, that it's just someone will find something to be angry about with everything. How can you be angry about free donuts? Come on. I, I don't know. It's a good strategy supporting a good cause. This is an early example of how brands are starting to position themselves within this hot new trends of vaccinations, right? We've seen on social media that there's like the vaccine selfie similar to like the I voted uh, social post around the election. Um, and so th th this is just another one of those trends where, you know, brands could be a part of like that culture and uh, ride that wave of, you know, consumers showing off that, that they're getting vaccinated. But it puts us into an interesting thought process here is that further down the line, when we think about travel and travel opening up, you know, vaccination status is going to be pretty important. Um, you know, right now, there are some vaccinations that you can get like the yellow fever vaccination where you get a yellow card that is in your passport that if you travel to a certain country, you need to show that as proof of vaccination. And it seems like this might be one of those things where we're going to be carrying around cards as a way of proving that we've been vaccinated and can actually travel, which, you know, Adam, I think opens up a real interesting conversation around gatekeeping and what travel is going to be like going forward if you don't get vaccinated or don't have the proof to show that you've been vaccinated. Yeah, uh, this is a real... Uh, opportunity space, but also I think uh, a little bit of a troublesome space. We've seen that there's, you know, <laughs> it's once again, something that I think we've had a year to plan for, and we haven't figured it out in advance, where there's not there's not a standard for international standard for what these cards and passports should look like. Um, there's not uh, there's not systems and infrastructure in place to sort of have digital versions of them. Here in the U U.S., we all have white paper cards rather than, than something that could be sort of digitally verified. There is a digital record of it somewhere, so it's just about sort of activating that. But I think this is something that obviously everyone's going to be watching closely for the rest of the year. But unfortunately, I think it's uh, it's going to be well after most of us are vaccinated before it's actually a solved problem. Uh, there's definitely some outstanding questions as to how that whole verification process is going to work. Uh, just briefly, we have some vending news, which is a first for Floor 9 from Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is launching a vending machine subscription service in Japan. This is wild. I mean, yeah. But Japan is wild, like, is known for these, these wild things, so it, it makes sense. <laughs> Japan is a very vending-heavy market uh, and also ripe for, because of that, there's a lot of vending innovation that happens in Japan. Um, I love this. I think, you know, Coke actually does a lot of interesting work in vending. They brought their uh, a, a loyalty program to vending years ago using Apple Pay. Uh, you know, once you have those loyalty cards in Apple Pay, you can tap them on the, the pay payment thing uh, of payment module on a vending machine, just the same as you would in a retail store. So it was like a way to give you, I think it was a buy one, buy 10, get one free of uh, Coke products of vending um, as part of loyalty. This is, you know, just expanding on that. It's uh, you can get a free Coke product uh, every day as part of this uh, subscription, which is uh, 2,700 yen, which is about uh, $25 per month. So, you know, if you are going to buy a Coke product every day, it is, it is cheaper than, than it normally would be. Um, and there are 340,000 Coke vending machines in Japan uh, that are eligible for this program. So lots of opportunity. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> on every corner, <laughs> both the corner you're on and the corner across the street from you, you'll be able to find a Coke product. Yeah. Well, our last bit of news here uh, comes from Tesla. And 
it is now officially accepting Bitcoin as a purchase method for their vehicles. Now, there are some strings attached, or <laughs> not, not, I guess not strings attached, but like complications as to how this whole thing works. Um, most notably is the actual payment process is done within a window. So Tesla will give you a window at which the Bitcoin price will be charged or you'll be charged for that Bitcoin price because it is so volatile. And so it's just kind of interesting to see how and what ways they're kind of putting parameters around the super volatile quote unquote currency. Uh, so that way it's a fair transaction to a consumer. But I will note after reading the terms and conditions that if you overpay for your car, you are not getting your money back. So it's always best to underpay a little bit, see how the price works out, and then pay a little bit more so that way you don't accidentally overpay with too much Bitcoin to your, uh, or I guess to Tesla, for your Tesla. I think this is just a great example that demonstrates why we don't accept Bitcoin as currency and why it is more <laughs> akin to a commodity like gold than it is a currency uh, because it is way too volatile. Um, it literally is about like, you know, akin to walking into a car dealership and slapping down a brick of gold and them being like having to look up the price of gold that day uh, because um, yeah, it's, yeah, totally. it, it changed. I mean, it, it Bitcoin is actually more volatile than gold. Um, it's, uh, you know, I think this was just a gimmick. Uh, this was a way for Elon Musk to pump up his own, the value of his own uh, Bitcoin that he owned. And I don't expect that a lot of people are going to buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. I don't actually know what the benefit of buying Tesla with Bitcoin. Like, I, I, I'm struggling here for like why you would do this. The, the reason to use a cryptocurrency would be anonymity and that there's not a paper trail, but you can't, at least in the US, buy a car without registering it. And so there's there's going Correct. to be a paper trail Correct. no matter what. Um, so, you know, not to mention uh, that, you know, cars these days are very connected devices that do leak a lot of data about you and your, your whereabouts and your activities. So uh, Tesla's maybe more than others. So I think that they're I guess I, I'm I'm struggling to see how this is anything but a gimmick. It is riding on the the wave of um, interest in crypto, so uh, I feel like it's a marketing gimmick and it honestly a way for Elon to make himself more rich by pumping up his <laughs> his shares his uh, the Bitcoin that he owns. It's Adam. One thing I do want to mention here is that the company Tesla bought the 1.5 billion uh, of Bitcoin and not. Elon Musk himself. Now, Elon Musk does get compensated in Tesla stock. So overall, like if the Tesla stock goes up because of this purchase, then there is a benefit to Elon, but it isn't a direct Elon personal purchase. And that's why he's essentially pumping the um, the Bitcoin price there. So it's just a little yeah, tweak there. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, uh, I think Elon Musk and Tesla are also just cannot be separated at this point. And I think it's... Uh, I don't know. I, I think that there is there. It, it, it was an angle. It was either way, whether it was him directly or Tesla, it was an angle for uh, driving up the co the the value of an investment that they just made. So uh, you know, it's very. It's all, all I'm saying is it's very self serving. It's not not that another company couldn't do the same thing or another person couldn't do the same thing. If you have enough influence, you certainly can. I don't think this is a turning point where we're going to start to see other purchases. Uh, other other merchants or OEMs or anything start accepting Bitcoin. I do not see it as a turning point for that because I think the number of transactions that will happen for Tesla vehicles in Bitcoin in the next 12 months will be in the hundreds. 
I'm going to say, I doubt we will ever hear a number from them as to how many are, are, are purchased in Bitcoin. And I would not be surprised if that button disappears from the site eventually, because uh, as pointed out, it's really complicated. <laughs> They're poor legal department who had to figure out how to write that those terms of service. Yeah. Well, so one like one thing to, like, to note here is that you know vehicles and cars in general are like the most depreciative assets that you can own. Yes. Right. It's like like the moment you buy a car, it loses value the moment you drive it off the lot. The thing with Bitcoin, and to your point, why it's it's kind of like like a little perplexing is that Bitcoin only seems to be going up now. It does go down a lot. It can go down a lot. It obviously can, but it seems like the if you buy a hundred thousand dollar Tesla in Bitcoin, that Bitcoin will probably be worth more money in the Tesla in the next like few hours than it would be in the long term. Oh, I see what you're saying. I, so yes, there is a benefit for Tesla in that right. they might instantly be making more money off not instantly, but within the same business day, be making more money off of you than they had before. Yes, but also like they always had the ability to convert whatever payment you gave them to Bitcoin as soon as they receive it anyway. So in terms of things like that, you're slicing, you know, a, a business day off of the transaction in terms of potential value. So I, I, it, I don't think it, it's a huge deal. I think this was mostly a pr promotional stunt. Um, as we discussed when this, when this first launched it, the Bitcoin button does sit right near an Apple pay button also for, uh, for your Tesla. And I was skeptical when I saw that because I, I know from experience that I do not have a Tesla, but I, explored the idea of get acquiring a Tesla. And I know from experience that that Apple Pay button is just for a $100 deposit on a vehicle. It does not actually, or maybe a $500, I forget. But it does not actually, you do not actually buy the car by doing that. Um, you cannot Apple Pay for the full cost of a Tesla because you cannot put it on put it on a credit card. So. so I was skeptical about the Bitcoin thing. It turns out that's wrong. You actually can pay for the full price in Bitcoin, even though that button is, again, a deposit button. It gets clear that Tesla likes to use payment as a part of their marketing uh, of, of Tesla as a brand. And, you know, I think Tesla as a brand does a lot of good things and is really, in many ways, pushing the industry forward in good ways. However, sometimes it's a little, it's more marketing than actual fact. <laughs> it's, you still have to sign a lot of paperwork that, that will take, uh, you know, several hours to get through uh, if you buy a vehicle from Tesla. To your point, Adam, we don't know how many merchants will be accepting Bitcoin, but cryptocurrencies uh, and the blockchain in general is becoming a very hot conversation, whether that, that is through Tesla and what they're doing with Bitcoin or uh, even in the in the realm of NFTs and what's going on with the Ethereum blockchain. Um, we're seeing a lot of money being moved around currently uh, in these like frontier internet technologies, I think, which is super interesting. And, you know, the underlying technology is going to be something that's going to be shaping the next version of the web. The web three is what a lot of interesting frontier technology people are, are now talking about. So notably though, all, most of that, uh, whether it's NFTs or, or general crypto interest is in using them as an investment vehicle. Uh, there is a lot of activity and interest in investment vehicles, new investment vehicles these days, which as you pointed out is the opposite of what a car is even a tesla <laughs> it is it totally is i do st and i do stand by that that the idea of bitcoin to me fits more so in an investment vehicle as a way to grow money like a stock exchange like a stock like an etf 100 versus a versus like a payment just because of the volatility now i'm sure people can you know fight me on that and by all means please do on twitter i want to get into a twitter argument um but i just look at it to your point it's like the whole 
definition of a currency is like it's stable it doesn't change and then that creates trust in a system to make purchases and exchanges um so i look at it as a, as a high growth investment vehicle that's my personal view on the bitcoin right now so so yeah but i mean speaking of that i think it's a good time to talk about uh, the internet's favorite investment vehicle of the moment which are nfts heck yeah it is Super pumped. So again, everybody next week, uh, we'll be speaking with Katie Tedman, the head of partnerships at Dapper Labs uh, about NFTs and the new NBA Top Shop product uh, next week. So definitely stick around for that. Please ask us your questions uh, on on Twitter. We would love to bring them into the conversation with her. Uh, And most notably, to prep for that conversation, I actually minted an NFT. Uh, I found my Ethereum. I linked my wallet and my account to OpenSea. Uh, and you can actually now go on to OpenSea.com and check out T-I-P-P-I-E-R for my first minted NFT. It is a picture of a pineapple on a boat in Croatia, and it is currently going for three Ethereum or 5,000 USD. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, it is available. Please buy it. Support my growing nft career (laughs) adam what would you pay for it five ethereum (laughs) (laughs) no i'm i'm saving my i'm saving my ether for a tesla i'm sorry (laughs) all right going big i see i see how it is awesome well listeners as always uh thank you for listening uh we'll be back next week uh with another episode you can find myself and adam on twitter i am at t-i-p-p-i-e-r adam is at adam j simon uh and again go check out my nft let me know your thoughts let's get this thing sold uh so thank you all and we'll talk to you next week (music) 